0: Hello and welcome to the Human Factor podcast, a series of conversations discussing the topics and themes influencing the world of work today. My name is Michael Esau. I'm a global HXM advisor at SAP. And I'm Simon Humphries. I'm a global solution architect at SAP. So Simon, this was an episode, again, when we were thinking about our episode list and structure, um, you and I were really keen to have this conversation looking at what we call the convergence of technology and HR to really drive a better outcome for organizations, but also for individuals. So we've got two very exciting guests today um, who are going to share with us their experiences, their thoughts, their insights uh, over the last 20 years, and obviously the, the roles they have is really informing and, and and really influencing the future that's coming around the corner as well. For me, what I'm really interested in is in is their views on this convergence, as we call it, of technology. But then also, how does that fit into the design of what an organisation is creating from a proposition? But also, how is it creating the design to enable the individual to create? And curate their own self experience. I'm really super keen to understand their views on on, on how that is materialising. If you like, how about yourself? What are you looking forward to in this conversation?
1: Well, both our guests are uh, senior leaders, uh, you know, from a technology perspective in a technology organisation. Uh, you know, I'm going to be interested to hear you know their thoughts on how does technology keep up with the expectations of what that experience should be and uh, what people want it to be because. You, know, you still have to build it. You still have to design it. You still have to deliver that. How, how do you keep pace with those ever-changing experiences? I'd be fascinated to hear that from a a, you know, a significant
0: vendor's perspective. It should be a very rich conversation, I think. I am absolutely delighted to welcome our two guests uh, to the podcast on this episode. So firstly, I'm delighted to welcome Meg Beer. Meg is the Chief Product Officer at SAP SuccessFactors, uh, and Mark Havercroft, who's the Chief Customer Officer at SAP SuccessFactors.
2: Thanks for having so, us.
0: So this episode is entitled, The Convergence of HR and Technology for a Better Outcome. So let's put this into context. So for the last 20 years, we've talked about creating experience based on self-service, this drive to enable people to own their data their performance their career and be in control of their destiny it's fair to say that you know technology perhaps didn't always fulfill the expectation but did it enable or substantiate the philosophy that we should be able to curate our own experience to have fully autonomous micro experiences you know being always on and consuming the capability to assist in achieving our desired outcomes? These are fundamental questions. So this episode is going to explore how people, technology and design have all started to converge as we hoped it would. The age of digital and consumerization have radically changed our preferences, our expectations and the fabric of how we live our lives. But is it all about the technology or do we need to consider the broader impacts and outcomes? How are we focusing more on driving consumption instead of just thinking about the functionality of the capability? And how are we really ensuring that we are achieving better outcomes consistently and sustainably? So a big question I suppose is, what does this convergence really mean? And how is it driving a better outcome for employees and organizations? Simon and I have been very excited about this episode. It was one of the ones that we had mapped out on our episode plan very, very early. So let's kick things off. Let's start relatively high level and sort of do a little bit of a state of the nation. And Meg, if I can come to you first to sort of kick things off, where do you think generally we are with technology today?
2: Yeah. So first off, thanks for having me in this great conversation because this is something obviously I've been around through this entire 20 years and I can even cough and say maybe a little bit longer. Um, and the bright hope that we had for the construct of self-service and kind of where I think we're going now. Um, But first, I think it's really helpful to understand that uh, from my perspective, we're kind of in an adolescence stage with technology, where early on our focus was a lot about bringing business process to some level of automation. So it was all about reducing cost simplifying things, et cetera, and really about making sure that the business was enabled with technology. And then cloud came around and we could start thinking about innovation at a pace we couldn't really absorb in the past. And so cloud built us a foundation to take that early innovation and think about acceleration. And then gets to the point you just brought up, Michael, which is all about, okay, but what does it mean to us as individuals, right? Like technology is not just about business, it's about how we live our lives. And how can we think about putting ourselves into that story more effectively? So of course, we think of this as HXM, putting people at the center of business and really enabling them to bring much more power and innovation and uh, energy to business. Because no longer are we trying to do table stakes, we're able to start thinking about doing stuff that's really quite interesting. So, so Mark,
0: if I may come to you and get your perspective, you know, what's your sort of view of the landscape?
3: Well, you know, I I think building on what Meg said, um, I think technology now is is something that we utilise to get an outcome. Whereas I think historically, people have had to work around technology. You know, it's been a kind of um, I always call it the computer says no moment, right? It's um, we have a great idea, we have a, a a business idea or a process change, and you're told, uh, you know, sorry, the system won't let you do that or or that's not part. What what we have now, you know, certainly in this year and going forward is a technology is here, is is available. The big question is, What are we doing to enhance the outcomes of of what we want as individuals? So first and foremost, for me, selfishly, what I love is the fact now I know what I want to achieve and I just have to find the right application to do so. Right, And I I know it's out there. So I've got no limits on what my innovation and what my core kind of passions are as as an individual person of, of, you know, if it's problem solving strategy, whatever it is for the individual there's an application out there for it. The thing that you have to get in your mind is what am I trying to achieve? What is the outcome? Is it for my customer? Is it for me, et cetera? And I think the other big difference as well is this, we've always had this dichotomy between technology at home and technology at work. And that was another big bugbear of mine. that has got, you, you know, the, the experience, the user experience, the fact that we go from, you know, um, booking a holiday to, uh um, you know, buying buying some clothes or, or, or whatever the, the, the case may be. My experience and my use of that is seamless. And that, I think, is what we really are stepping into now, is that if we can get our attitude right as, as, as I guess, you know, as human beings to look at technology to really advance us, um, and that can be social things, you know, it can be, you know, climate and everything like that as well as just simply improving my day at work and making me you know, not frustrated at certain things. I, I think that's what people are missing. I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of people are still in the mindset of computer says no, the system won't allow it. And I, I really think as soon as you unbreak those shackles, both in a company or as an individual,
0: the world becomes a very brighter place. So let's dig into that a little bit deeper. For me, Mark, I've always talked about the external context because you can't ignore it. That's the way the world moves. That's the way the world changes. So you mentioned there about, you know, the fabric of our lives have changed. So do we think about technology as we used to? You talk there about the computer says no and our experience at home, experience in work. Or are we now in an era of consumption? And that's very different, isn't it? You know, so how much has consumerization and our experiences at home changed the game? Not just from a technology perspective, but what is our perception Of an experience today. So, Mark, let me come back to you on that. You know, so what do you think our perception of an experience is today? We are in an experience driven economy,
3: if you like. Um, we have what is it, five, maybe six generations now in the workforce. Um, and you know, the generations coming into the workforce are all driven around experience. Yes, we are absolutely in the age of of consumption. I mean, from you know. Like Uber starting in taxis. Now I can get an Uber for anything. I don't, you know, Uber will deliver me. I think they'll deliver me to the space shuttle, I think, if they wanted. it. But um, the point is, I can consume and get anything delivered to me or what I want. So we're absolutely in that age. What I think we're still doing, though, is we're not we're not now really embracing what experience means and what 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 are the value drivers in experience, I guess, is where I'm going with Michael. And it's a lot different from a point of view of if you look at the retail landscape now, a lot of stores are about the brand value, the experience, you know, what the brand stands for and what it means for you to be a consumer of that brand. You may go into the store to have that experience, but you may actually buy the product online. And get it delivered to you. And I think also when we look at um, you know our world, like where we, we launched HXM in September 2019, we know as individuals in an organization, uh, in our role or in the organization, we need to craft an experience about being part of that organization. And and it it means something to us to work for SAP. The values SAP have, you know, they need to reflect on me and my team. Different scale for different people, of course. But, but we need to do that. And I, so I think experience coupled with value uh, and values are really what's driving consumers and will also drive talent and will drive product adoption, will drive all sorts of different things. So we have to be very clear what it means for experience also reflects on the individual about their values. And that's a big, big driver, uh, as opposed to just an amazing experience buying something. It's, it's what what does it mean for me to associate with that organization
0: or product? I I agree, and uh, Meg, before I come to you, I was just reading, uh, there was a podcast out today um, that uh, we'd been conducting with uh, Kathleen from Microsoft. And she was talking about, you know, one of the silver linings through the pandemic is that there's a lot more flexibility, but also a lot of humanity that's come in and what they're asking their leaders to do, you know, about care and coach and model. Now, back in Success Connect last year, you interviewed Daniel Pink. And it was a great conversation. I absolutely loved it. And you were talking about the science behind motivating employees. But it was also really touching on about this notion of an experience. And and I think Daniel talked about autonomy, didn't he? And he said, you know, autonomy is motivational. We should have the ability to curate a self-directed experience. So what are your thoughts at the moment in terms of what experience then means taking into account this sort of consumption world uh, and some of the things that Mark was describing?
2: Yeah, so such a great question and I apologize because this is where I go full nerd as you observed me with Daniel Pink as well um, in general. But first off, it is so exciting to be bringing the human back into human experiences. Um, I think that for me and kind of the the value that that we've always aspired to is becoming more real in this world of, you know, consumption and experience and I'm I'm really excited to see it and I'm really excited for all of the discomfort that that brings the discomfort of who's in control and the discomfort of how do you how do you navigate but when you think in terms of systems and that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about technology The the thing you really have to get your head around is that it's actually a much more adaptive system that you need to start thinking about because experience expectations are not at all static. And one of the things that became very clear with technology adoption in the enterprise and and how this conversation began was that the enterprise was very slow to take seriously the need for consumer grade uh, experiences. And as a result, there became this big divide between what I could experience in my personal life versus what Mm. I could have in business. And this is where the whole systems of no that Mark brought up really come into play. Systems were not able to keep up with the changing demands. And in order for systems to do that, we have to recognize that there is a need for adaptability built in. Because you can never keep up if you're constantly chasing at the scale and depth of problems that we solve in the enterprise. We solve really complicated problems. That's one of the things that we do as SAP or that any big technology provider needs to care about. And so in order to solve both complicated problems and adaptive problems, you actually have way more tools today than you've ever had in the past. But in order to do that, you have to recognize that what you're trying to achieve is not the perfect solution. You're trying to achieve a solution that has the right interactivity with the end user to adapt based on what that user needs. And since we're caring about developing people, we're caring about not just your sort of uh, preferences, right? Do I want to do things um, asynchronously or synchronously? Do I like mobile? Do I like web? How big do I want my screen? All those sorts of things. Those are things that we've traditionally thought of. But what we're looking at now is really that concept of who am I today and who do I want to be? Who am I becoming? And how can systems adapt with me on that journey in a way that not only respects my autonomy, who I am and what I want to contribute, but really channels that autonomy to a brighter future, both for me and for the organization I'm part of. And so this is kind of the bright hope of how we see the future. We see the future as something that's truly interactive between the end user and the system in a way that brings that adaptive result over time so that you're not building one time and walking away from a system and saying this is the perfect system. You're building a system that can adapt with your users as they progress in their journey in life and your business journey because hopefully your business is growing and changing and needs adapting as well.
0: And, 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 and that's the shift, isn't it? You know, that's the shift that you're talking there about the two reference points, You know, the business journey, my journey and we have to be mindful of the two. Simon, can I just come and check in with you and get some of your thoughts? Yeah, it's just interesting what you're saying there, Meg, and I, I'm
1: interested to understand your thinking on, on what you would say an, an organisation would observe when that adaptability hasn't been built in. What would the organisation see manifesting itself in the, in the behaviour of the employees? Would they see dissatisfaction and leaving? Would they you know, see grumbling, what would they see in terms of that manifestation?
2: Yeah, let me talk about it in terms of kind of like what is the key problem or as, as uh, some of our friends like to call it, presenting symptom that we're seeing within organizations. The way organizations are looking at this is, and what they're talking about is skill gap. I have an organization that maybe I can see very clearly does not have all of the skills that they're going to need in the future. And in the past, future might have been 20 years, 10 years, whatever, and now future could be six months, 12 months, 18 months, right? And so what it looks like for organizations when you have a rigid system is it's very hard to not only understand where those gaps are, but to feel confident that you not only have a plan for today, but that you can understand that acceleration and that pace of change. If you can help align individual motivation with the broader needs of the organization, you really have something powerful because we all know people power business, right? People are that lever that differentiate your business. And the better job you can of having them be part of that, that future state, the better job you're going to do, not just in motivating them, but in you know beating your competition, which is really the kind of the core of why people think about systems and business.
3: I love it when you nerd out Meg. I um because the the big thing for me is is when I listen is you, you know it's the lack of rigidity. You know we've been put in boxes, we've been told limits and capacities even through our education even into work. And I think you know when you when you hear you talk Meg what I hear is is technology is no longer a limiter. It's more a case of now is Where's your individual limit as a person, as an employee, and as an organization? And, and I think that's what people are grappling with. And I understand that because for 20, 30, 40 years, maybe, we have been told that there's limits. You know, our careers must be linear. Uh, you, you know, you must live near the office to work in the office or or or, or all those things. You, you know, think about it. I mean, there's so many limiters in the way that we're schooled and then when we start our careers. I think. This is why I love it, because I think what technology is doing now is it is removing those limitations. But the onus is now on us as individuals. And yes, of course, as leaders in enterprises and organizations to say, right, well, what what do we want to achieve? What do we want to stand for? And and what experience do we need? And as you said, Meg, that can change from a Monday to a Friday for an individual and maybe several times in the day, right, depending on what kind of day we're having. So I just I just think the real bit in that and the real gold in that is is trying to get your head to a point as leaders or as individuals to go, I don't have any limitations now. So how do I do this better? How can it be better in in whatever context that question is? And I just I just find that a liberating fact when you think about that, that wow, you know, and that's why I really love what we're doing with HXM, you know, it's really focusing on the individual in our, you know, our customer's customer the innovation and the and the things we will experience in this world based off that lack of limitations, you know, be mind blowing, right? I think traveling to Mars will be the uh will be just uh table stakes in a couple of years. I just you know, I honestly do. I I think when you unleash the power of kind of humankind and its innovation and its ability to lift people up, I think we're going to see some fantastic things, both, you know, environmentally, commercially, and and I'm really excited. That's that's why I love to hear the nerding out of May because we we need to embrace the technology as, um, as something we utilize to get to that experience,
0: not something that dictates the experience. Completely agree. I and mean, I think it was a couple of years ago, Sapphire, that Hassel Platner came on stage and said, SAP needs to be as nimble and as agile as a startup. And, and I think that talks to your point, Meg, about how do we enable an individual to consume what they need to consume, to map against their journey, to achieve the outcomes that they're looking to achieve. Let me just come back round to you, Simon. I think you've got a follow-up point uh, on this critical topic. Yeah, I just wanted to follow up with what you're saying now, Mark, and I, I totally agree with you. And you know,
1: technology isn't the limitation anymore, but is it okay for companies to make mistakes? I mean, we, talk, we, we talked earlier on, oh. Meg, that you described us as being adolescent, as, as in this era that we're in. You know, organizations won't necessarily know what they're aiming
3: for first time round. Is it okay to make mistakes along the way? It's it's more than okay, Simon. It's a great question because innovation, new things are brought about trying things and failing. It, 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 failure is a component of changing things. You've got to try new things to to, to get progress in whatever that, that can be. You, you know, um, it's like everything in life, right? I mean, think of it. We all we all fail, we all fall over, and we try again. Um, So I can say it's, it's a necessary ingredient. I, I personally would love to see it more of a, 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 a metric. You know, we, we always have metrics about achievement and, 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 and outcomes, etc., which, of course, yes, I absolutely agree with those two. But I, I think failing early, failing fast, all that kind of rhetoric is really just kind of misses the point in the extent of failure is just A simple part of the process to produce a a better or a different outcome Um, and so as an organization you know I often hear this with our customers you know um, okay Mark we'll move to the cloud but we'll take the same old process and we'll put it on the new technology and we're going to expect this amazing new outcome and I'm kind of like well you know uh, definition of insanity here people right I mean you know same process same outcome Simon, failure is a necessity, and I think we all need to um, recognise that it's not a bad thing in the
0: context of moving forward. And, and, Meg, coming to you there on that point, I mean, you know, Mark's almost describing there this shift to agile in some respects, you know, this sort of sprint mentality. And again, a question for you, have we set, are we setting our technology up to enable that agility, try something, doesn't work, you, you reiterate? Your thoughts.
2: if you think about it from the Adam Grant think again perspective, you know there's there's a need to also think about unlearning stuff, right? Mm. and to and to do that, you need to look at things like a scientist. You need to mm. ask yourself, how is it working? What is it working? And so, you know, early on with our with our hXm vision and the ability to get feedback is all tied to this concept of, organizations oftentimes are very well intentioned building things that they think are the most important and sometimes the things that are most important are the kind of blind spots that you have when your seat is not living the experience of your employees and so i think it's really important number 1 to think like a scientist and ask for feedback often so that you can not only learn but also adapt as you go I think it's also really, really important to, to test things out more frequently instead of having a perfect process that you okay. think you're going to keep for decades and decades and never touch mm. again as your mindset, as your goal. Instead, start thinking about running experiments, testing things out. And again, the goal that that I think about as a systems provider is how to make that kind of adaptability something that is easy for organizations to not only build these test and try mechanisms, but also to have these feedback loops built in. Because again, the goal isn't to have a single person be the smartest person um, in the organization or the highest paid person to be the person that makes all the decisions. The goal is to harness the collective wisdom of the organization to outstrip the competition, to serve your customers better, all of those things. And so that's really, when you look at what HR leaders are trying to do, that's how they want to contribute, right? They want to contribute by building a culture where everyone feels welcome, that everyone feels that they belong, that those people are equipped to do great work and that their voice matters in helping the organization get stronger, more resilient, better every day. Because better every day wins every single time, right? So best is not what you're looking for. You're looking for better every day. And that's, I think, both something that we care about as humans and also our customers care about deeply. And when we think about technology, we think technology should be a tool to help you with that, not a constraint towards that end state.
0: Simon and I spoke with um, Harriet Green. Harriet in her last role was um, heading up IBM for APJ Mm, and um, previously was the CEO of Thomas Cook. And, you know, Harriet was very, very clear on exactly what you said, Meg. You know, when we think about the future organization, it has to have a very clear purpose. You know, it almost now needs to create a sense of belonging. You, You don't do that just from this organizational layer, you do it from the collective. And, you know, we were talking about the potentially outdated employee value proposition coming back into vogue, you know, and how the organization's really clear on what we expect from you, but what can you expect in return? And of course the central theme is, you can't enable it without the right capability, without the right technology. But but Simon's point about what's the manifestation of this, can no longer be ignored. So let's just change the forward-looking view then for the moment. If we read the press at the moment, we're seeing terms like the great resignation. As we come through the pandemic, there is a view that many people in the working population will go, I'm gonna make a decision about my employer. Do I want to continue? Is this the place that I want to work? And I think it talks to the heart of what we're describing. Is Is this an organization where they, I feel, my future, can can thrive and prosper? Do I feel there's psychological safety? Do I feel as if there's a broad experience? So let's go to the future. So technology is only gonna continue to innovate. But again, it comes back to striking this balance, doesn't it, between functionality and relevance, You know, driving this purpose and meaning. And so we've gotta make sure that there's that meaning to the end user, but also the organization. So Meg, if I can come to you first, What's exciting you about how technology is having that real impact on business outcomes and individual outcomes?
2: The future to me is is very bright, but it's bright from a couple of constructs. It's, it's not just about technology. It is about this kind of broader shift of power and broader shift of um, recognition of just the, the role that employees play in your organization. We're about to embark on a really big social experiment, as everyone here knows, and I think that's what all of these articles are all about. Sending everyone home was super traumatic and really complicated and um, you know created a lot of ripple in everybody's business, but sending people back to the office is exponentially harder because each of us has evolved and adapted in our own little bubble. And now we have to figure out how to do that back into a collective. And if there's one thing that we've come to learn is that this is bringing together the part that's really hard, right? The emotional part and the pragmatic part. People need to know how and where to get to the office and what are the rules and, and is there something they need to be doing differently and is it safe and all of those things. But then they also need to understand the social norms and nobody can really figure out the social norms until everyone else figures out the social norms. And so you have this like sort of universal insecurity. It's like we're all going to the first day of high school or something and we don't know who we're going to sit to with lunch with. And, and so I think that organizations have a real opportunity to express empathy and humanity to recognize that what I think is going to be important to me may be very different than what is actually important to me as I get my legs under me, and to be really open and comfortable with that level of uncertainty, and to help your teams feel comfortable with that uncertainty. And so, coming back to technology, first off, you know, again, we got to do the basics, we got to make sure people feel safe. That they know how they're gonna get paid, that they understand their healthcare programs and you know what the what the environment requires. They need to understand their benefits, they need to understand what what the perks are, whether there's a gym or a lunch anymore, how that all works. They need to know where they're gonna sit, like all that stuff. But they need to know more than anything that their organization is checking in with them regularly and that they're doing it at the broad base level, you know, at the overall organization but also at the individual level. And this gets to where I see the real bright spot and power. This gives the opportunity for people to see what the heroes are of the organization. And that is your line managers. Your line managers that are out there every single day, checking in on their people, making sure that work happens, and really connecting the dots between the mission of the company and what's happening on the ground with individuals so a lot of times in you know in broader theory we've talked a lot about moments that matter onboarding and you know the the day your child is born and all those things are important to see if those moments do matter but at the end of the day it's moments that matter to me right it's it they're, they're not universal for me it might be my second month back or it might be my first day or it might be it might be some combination in between those things And so, again, technology has the opportunity to give us the tools to ask those questions, but technology doesn't build empathy, right? Technology can point out the need, but technology doesn't build that empathy. And so, again, this is an opportunity organizationally and in a human way for HR leaders to help equip and support line managers who are being asked to do something that is bigger than anything they've had to do. And don't forget, they personally are going through it too, right? So they're emotionally unsure and, and out of their comfort zone as well. And so again, we as, uh, as an organization and, and as a group really need to be honest that what we think we know is only a, a small piece of the picture. We need to think like scientists, we need to test, we need to try things out, we need to be willing to have gotten it wrong And we have to have the humility to say that we're going to figure this out together because anything else is, to my mind, intellectually um, dishonest. And so, again, it's going to require all of us to step up and be much more human than ever before. And I think when we look back and talk about this era and this time, this is the piece that we're going to be the most proud of ourselves for. And
0: I think building on that, you know, let's think about our customers for the moment. You know, they're crucial in the change that we're making. They are they're a major part of the decisions, the context that we're changing. And let's go back to that convergence. You know, when I think about this convergence, I think about the future role of HR as we've been discussing on the call. It's a design organization, it's a facilitative organization. HR leaders are becoming archaeologists. They're seeking insights, intelligence to help the organization inform decision making. You know, many of our colleagues in HR have talked about not the war for talent, but a talent jungle, finding talent we don't even know we need yet. We don't even know where they exist. This is the different era that we're in. So when we think about working with our customers, and I know Meg and Mark, you do all the time. So what do you think their input is into this? You know, recognizing that they do need to become much more of a sort of a design and facilitative entity, if you like.
2: This is where we have a, an unfair competitive advantage. So we have customers who have been you know early champions of the entire concept of talent management right back when that was a was a thought leading idea that hey maybe you should help people progress in their careers and help them you know understand what top performance really means so we're very fortunate that majority of our customers are not just trying to do the basics but are really ready to take that next step, that next step that is much more adaptive, the one that is much more tied to feedback and to thinking about their own processes as not just what is gonna to work today, but but helping them build that adaptive engine into how they're serving their business. But I think that the what's different now and what everybody recognizes as a real opportunity is that we've just seen An acceleration or a realization of something that we've been working on for about ten years, right? We started out saying, "Hey, let's understand our talent. Let's figure out where they are and what they know and who, you know, what they care about." And now we're starting to be able to think in terms of how do we understand them more fully? How do we treat them as as a full and complete human, thinking of their whole self as opposed to just their skills or their job titles or their tenure with your company? How can we understand how working together in dynamic teams creates opportunity that never existed before. And so what we're we're seeing with customers is, first off, you know, like all good customers do, they're pushing us to innovate. They're pushing us to, to realize um, what we see as the future of where talent was, where So where in the past, talent was still very much focused on an organization driving a certain set of of key indicators and behaviors down, now we're seeing it as much more an individual um, pulling, if you will, to take that understanding of how they can contribute that understanding of where opportunities are in the organization and really using their own discretionary energy to try to help make those things evolve. And so our customers are really pushing us. They are seeing, you know, in some of our customers, they've had to redeploy talent overnight because certain roles no longer um, were applicable or necessary. And so again, they're taking those experiences of disruption in in that narrow lens and helping us innovate for the future state, which is all of us are disrupting all the time. But that's a good thing, not a risk to the business because we're 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 the ones initiating and pushing that disruption to help go after an entirely new or bigger business opportunity. So we're really lucky. Um, we we see ourselves as in the right place at the right time and um, super excited to innovate with our customers to, uh, to bring that future to life.
0: It's interesting, Meg, isn't it? You've almost got three words, right? We've got disruption, discomfort, and innovation all on the sort of same spectrum. But it's a necessity. It's a necessity. I'm very conscious of our time always. This has been an enthralling conversation and I'm going to come to Mark in just a second because one of the things we always want to sort of close on these conversations for our listeners is some takeaways and some top tips. But I think it's been really interesting. We've we've almost touched on, haven't we, this disruption, the external context. We've we've touched on what does this mean to me from an experience standpoint. We we we've talked about how the the push, the real push from the individual the individual themselves is changing the direction of where organizations are working. But also how organizations are aligning their purpose, how they're creating this belonging, but also how they're creating this adaptive technology, this adaptive proposition that's enabling individuals to create their own experience and grow with the organization. So Mark, let me come to you. So what are your sort of, you know, really top tip takeaway thoughts that you would leave our listeners from your perspective? First one is on your customers. It's no longer about you
3: and your customers, as in them and us, we bring our customers into our business. As Meg said, they drive us forward. They tell us what they, you know, in this world of experience and, and consumption of technology, again, that business model of them and us is different. So bring your customers into the heart of your organization. It's it's a It's a team effort. They want outcomes. You want to facilitate a platform to deliver outcomes. Okay, so that's tip number one. It's not about them and us kind of uh, tip one point A is guess what? Employees are customers too, amazing. Employees are customers. So if you focus on your employees as customers, they have great experiences, that translates to great customer experience, but it also translates to great input to yourself as well and to your business. So if anybody in your organization says, oh, well, we're doing this way because we've always done it that way, that that phrase needs to be scribbled out and done wrong. Just as Simon said before, you know, the past does not dictate the future, thank God, right? We can all check, you know, so please challenge all the time. And as, as Meg said, empower the people in the field, the line managers, the people who are dealing with your customers, empower those people to own the process and own the outcome. And if you're treating them as well-balanced employees and having good experiences, you will get that return tenfold. No, com- nobody works for an organisation to bring it down. We all, we all want to make it better. And yet, and I'll finish on my optimism point. You, you know, many, many times through history, people have been regarded as crazy. Henry Ford, from the car to the horse, people thought completely crazy. Right now, look at this world. The opportunities out there for all our customers and us as individuals to really take this world forward in the confines of your own career, in the confines of the organization that you work for, in the street that you live in. um, Technology is gonna help you get there. The big question you have to ask as an organization, as an individual, where do we want to be and what value do we want to bring to this world to our customers?
0: That's what leadership and individuals need to grapple with. Great advice. Meg, if I can come to you, what are your closing thoughts on our episode?
2: Yeah. So I am also wildly optimistic. I got started in this to make work better. I believe we are absolutely on the cusp of actually making that a reality. I strongly believe that we are in an era where there is going to be a lot of change and that is naturally uncomfortable, but just like any other growth moment Discomfort helps you grow. And so my strong recommendation to all of us is be willing to get it wrong. It's okay to get it wrong in service of learning to put your ego aside and really lean into the opportunity because the opportunity is immense. And I really, truly believe that that this is the moment where we bring both technology and humanity together to do much more than we've ever done before in service of all of us. And so I don't want us to miss it. I really don't want us to miss it. It's ours to take. It is going to be uncomfortable. It is going to require us to give something up, some control, some sense that we know what we're doing. It's going to require us to get to that awkward space. But... That's where the real opportunity is, and that's the future we all want. We want a future where our voice matters, where each of us feels like we belong and that we're all making a big impact in our business, in our lives, in our communities, in our families. We want to be making those impacts, and to make those impacts, we're going to need to do some things differently. So uh, I say embrace embrace the awkward. It's going to be fun.
0: Love it. What a, what a soundbite embrace the awkward love it what a fa- fabulous ending and uh, I-, I can't thank you both enough I cannot thank you enough what a great episode you know, as I said at the beginning when Simon and I were working on our episode list, was this was one of the ones that we were keen to have the dialogue what a rich dialogue so on behalf of myself and Simon I just want to thank yourself Meg I want to thank you Mark it's been an absolute treat to have you as guests on the Human Factor podcast thank you We always say, Simon, don't we, that these conversations are enthralling, they're enlightening. What a rich conversation, different viewpoints. And, And I do hope that, you know, for our listeners, that we've tried to unpick what this convergence actually means. A couple of takeaways for me, if I may, before I turn over to yourself. I absolutely love the fact that we've almost had this spectrum today where we had disruption, we've got discomfort, and we've got innovation on the sort of the same line. But that's the future. It, it, that, that, that is what the future beholds. And I think then my last one, which I loved, was Meg said, think like a scientist and embrace the awkward. I mean, great sound bites, right? Amazing sound bites. But I think Meg's closing perfectly encapsulated for me what actually this growing convergence actually is. It's almost about imperfection. It is about embracing disruption, being comfortable with the discomfort. But truly, then think about how do we innovate. Loved it, Simon. How about you? Well, like yourself, you know, fascinating conversation. Um, and
1: again, I, I try and listen out for those sound bites to to latch onto about some of those key themes. And for me, there were a couple that really resonated with me as encapsulating that conversation. You know, the first was equipping people to do great work. I thought, what? Well, that's a really fantastic way of articulating. What we're actually trying to do here, um, and, and what that outcome is really seeking to achieve, and the other one I think was you know being better every day. It, it's not striving for perfection. It's sometimes leaning into failure, as you say, embracing the awkward, but it's about being progressively better and better uh, rather than you know either being best or not at all. So I think that was a, a fascinating uh, you know, insight from both Meg and Mark. And, uh, yeah, I love the
0: optimism as well in there. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and listen, right, for you and I, this was quite an interesting episode as well. And we're very grateful to Meg and Mark. And just for the benefit of our listeners, we really tested out the time differences, didn't we? Because I think it was 2 o'clock in California where Meg is, and it's 10 o'clock, well, it's 11 o'clock for you and I in the UK at night. And for Mark, I think it was 7 o'clock in the morning in Sydney, and it was his sort of first... Uh, first call of the day it's a bit late
1: for your gin and tonic this time isn't it your traditional gin and tonic it might be a Horlicks this time (laughs) yeah yeah
0: yeah. yeah. I'm not actually sure what it'll be tonight I don't know what it'll be I might actually just go to bed but anyway Simon as always I think you know great conversation great insights I hope our listeners uh, will enjoy the dialogue enjoy the challenge I think as well that's been presented so uh No, another great episode and uh, wonderful. Thank you as always, Simon. Looking forward to the next one. So until then, goodbye.